0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. What's that? So what I'm saying is like the, the, the format, the new format, after you, you know, all the official happened, whatever. Right. It's a lot better now, you know. It's like, it, it's concise. You don't have someone butting in. But right doesn't know what they're doing, and you actually know what you're talking about. I mean, I'm sure I pissed off a lot of people tonight. I, I, I've exposed things <laughs> that are shocking. Well, that's you, it, that's okay. That That's that, going to happen, David. That's going to happen. And sometimes you're going to step on a few toes. And, and I've never done this before. You're the first show I've ever done this on fully. I don't even have the words at the moment, and that's kind of unusual, people say.
1: Well, do it live! I can't what really the identify the, the systems, systems exactly. Um, I can tell you that they were at least 40 to 50 years uh, in the future compared to everybody else. My God. The technology, uh, just mind-blowing things.
2: Wow. <laughs> Isn't that strange? We were talking about the president, and all of a sudden we got cut off. If you can
3: make your voice heard, you can stand up for these things.
2: Well, it's good talking with
3: you, though. You can speak out on these things. UFO hunters tried to i in cool. uh, the
0: cool. He claims his audience is just as, as big motivation. as to coast I can stand now. up for Let's these see that.
1: I'm oh really? Wow. I can he speak out. I a truly chicken I can
0: change the world
1: as uh, some sort
0: <laughs> oh, of sex uh, operator. <laughs> <laughs> he's a sex operator. <laughs> sex is the <laughs> paranormal, Michael. Ours straightforward. I would say straight shooters. I don't want to brag, but so, by myself, I killed the guy. Yeah. president, of course. Well, today days, spirit. Spirit. Yeah. You I'm going to speak
1: about Spirit Radio.
3: Show me your indications, baby. Spirit You would not and even know that? about the secret societies. The secret societies. You would I'm not even know about down. the Illuminati. You would not know anything
0: about the world conspiracy if it had not been for me. You were born. We're sorry, you have reached a number that has been disconnected or is no longer in service And welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day All the way from the wastelands of California I am Michael, I'm the host and producer of this program I look forward to once again, serve you Those conscious coma inducing vibrations Live and direct right now Here we are again, on a Saturday night And of course, live on the TuneIn Radio app. Search end of days. First time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a different kind of show. A place where we don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home. Choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity. Tonight my guest is Stan Dale. Stan has held above top secret security clearance and worked undercover for the FBI. He was a part of an exclusive black project headed by Edward Teller. Specializing in the development of flying saucer technology, Stan is the author of many great books, such as The Cosmic Conspiracy, which is a book I've always loved. Once again, thank you ladies and gentlemen for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. Once again, wasting no time. I'm going to be contacting my guest in a moment here. And Stan, what's going on? Oh, a little bit of this and that. Watch spring, try to break through here. Oh, good times, good times. Welcome to End of Days, the Michael Deacon program. I just want to say thank you so much for spending some of your time here with us this evening. Most welcome. Amazing. Now, I have so many things to ask you but of course we are limited in time as we always are since time is always against us stand. you know that
2: well it uh certainly is unrelenting
0: <laughs> oh yes oh yes so stan can we talk a little bit about your background here
2: well um i guess uh let's see here i was a cadet at the air force academy in class of 67 uh, i studied at ibm and computing uh, Systems analysis for mainframe computers, and um, taught at university down in Australia in uh, Perth at Curtin University. You know, I set up and lectured as the uh, chief proponent of uh, computer graphic imagery, you know CGI, the use in the movies. I trained uh, students here at the university for that. Um, before that, I was uh, recruited to work on an project under Dr. Edward Teller down in uh, Australia, and uh, my assignment was in Melbourne uh, under Sir John Williams. Um, let's see, written a couple of books yeah, there are The uh, Cosmic Conspiracy the, Oh yes uh, say?
0: I said oh yes, that's one of my favorite books I must say, and you are the first person I've ever heard of speaking about many of these topics that we talk about here today Well I
2: guess it could either mean uh, you know it's been suppressed or I make a good story, I'm not sure
0: I think it's still relevant today as it was back in 78
2: Oh I joke, but yeah, I know I I wondered when I wrote the book, number one, how long I would last after it was published. uh,
0: Amazing, yes.
2: Yeah, and then uh, when that uh, seemed to not be an issue, I wondered, would I be the last one standing when all this falls down on the people of Earth, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Kind of a lonesome hill up there.
0: (laughs) Oh, yes. And, you know, going off track here just for a second, in an email exchange we had earlier, you asked where I was from and where I'm at. And I told you, and I brought up the powerful earthquake And so many people were talking about the next big one. And, of course, the one I experienced out here was insane.
2: Was it an up-and-down motion or a sideways motion? Up-and-down. Oh, those are bone and teeth jarring.
0: That's terrible. It was back in Easter 2010, I believe, out here. That was terrifying. And I'm not sure if you've ever experienced anything like that before.
2: Well, it, I've been in a couple of earthquakes, but they were probably less than 3.5 and they moved sideways. So all they did was sway the floor and the ceiling over me. That was about it.
0: Ah, lucky you then. <laughs> but yes, I'll have my inner tube by my bed as you suggested.
2: <laughs> I know. I was just being cheeky.
0: Well, it might, it might happen. Certain scientists have made that point that there, there's going to be some sort of massive flood all the way up to the Salton Sea.
2: Well, you know, i it's not my uh, intention to scare people that live west of the Rockies. Sure. I do think that the USGS warnings are correct, and we're within eight years of, you know, sometime from today and the next eight years of that uh, big one happening. They are concerned, and I understand that they've been trying to gradually let this filter into the population to avoid... Overnight property values, you know, devaluation and uh, sure. panic and, you know, all that kind of stuff that goes with it. And it's not an exact science. We know that. But, uh, of course, yeah. David, we're seeing all this looking at patterns of earthquakes on our west coast and up at the Juan de Fuca Plate and those down into Central America as well, which affect us. does indicate we're seeing more activity now of, of a kind that's precursive to a major series of uh, earthquakes on the west coast.
0: Right. Well, Hopefully nothing too serious happens here in the next coming year or so in terms of earthquakes. Who
2: knows? I mean, you know, I the method I used to use to forecast them with, you know, varying degrees of accuracy from 70 to 85 percent or so, I could uh, give warnings one to seven days ahead of time. Um But the method I used depended on some data being made publicly available by the uh, U.S. Navy at Fenbach there, Monterey in Colorado, California. Oh, yes. And, uh, they changed the system, I think it was in 2006, and they used a new set of uh, what they call a constellation of satellites, a new defense department's uh, constellation of 12 or more satellites, put down the old one I was using, and the software did not uh, propagate with it, at least the public version of it, to the new, um, you know, uh, constellation of satellites. So therefore, I couldn't get access to the uh, sea surface temperature anomaly once or twice a day, which their version included also I don't know why, but it did include electric charge variations over the ocean. Mm. Yes. And with the two of them together, I was able to forecast you know, fairly accurately just using a graphic process to analyze change in maps over a couple of days. Now, the we did, Holly and I did, I did visit the Fenbach in Monterey, and we were shown inside. This is before they changed constellations and satellites. And they looked at my work. I looked at their work. I talked to the guy in charge of writing the programs that I was using. They said, you know, we can't endorse what you're doing, but rest assured we'll be visiting your site every day. (laughs) So not long after that, uh, 2006 rather, not long after 2006, there was a little news article that someone sent me that the U.S. Navy had developed a method of earthquake forecasting using charge variations and changes in sea surface temperature.
0: Mm, Interesting.
2: Yeah, but they never made it public. I'm I'm happy that that it did inspire them to do that, but they're not making it public. So when – USGS kind of hints at something very possible in the next ten years, which was a couple of years ago, uh, happening there in California. Well, I think they probably have a have improved the
0: system where they can forecast
2: that far ahead.
0: Yes, we'll find out soon enough. But we are getting a, a little bit of ahead of ourselves here, and I did want to go into your background uh, just quickly here. I read that you graduated high school three three months shy of your sixteenth birthday. Is that true? Yes. My goodness, you must have been very smart, Stan.
2: Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. They tested me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Stan, were you a shy kid? I've I've always been curious. Did you? Yeah. uh, (laughs)
2: Yeah. Okay. I I figured up until about the um, tenth or eleventh grade in high school when I was getting in moving up the ranks in the ROTC there in Dallas. Uh, actually it was called the NDCC National Defense Cadet Corps, same thing as ROTC, just different name. And um you know I I guess somewhere along the yeah, the 11th grade when I started, you know, being in charge of other cadets, uh, it uh, matured me a bit. But before that, mm-hmm. I was pretty much the uh, shy geek
0: that uh, shy quiet kid, yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I was pretty quiet myself at times. <laughs> at times.
2: Well, it's, you know, look, I, uh, a lot of people had to be doing something all the time and, uh, you know, outside or kicking the ball or whatever. And I lived in my mind. It was, you know, a great place to uh, explore things.
0: It really is. And I'm curious though, Stan, how did you get involved in, into these fringe topics? Well, what, um, who exactly corrupted you first? My dad. Your dad? He was the first one who implemented, who implemented all these ideas and thoughts in your head?
2: Well, a couple of them. Uh, for one, I remember when the, in the middle 50s, when I was, what, about 10, 11, 12 years old, uh, UFO sightings were the, the rage of the day. and um, Dad, having been a pilot to the base commander in the Army Air Force over North Africa and, and uh, uh, Iran, he said, um, look I, I think I know how these things must work, and he drew up a design and stuff, and so it intrigued me to see you know how his design worked and uh although it it uh, would have worked, it would not have been as efficient as a different way of doing it uh, using basic principle, so that got me interested in new and design stuff like that, and making things faster in the air. I played with rockets you know that only went up a few hundred feet out in the back and uh uh then after that he um he inspired me to look at a number of things as far as um, aliens, if there were aliens, and uh, so so Dad started it there. But yeah, time. it was,
0: it was Dad. Dad. I'm glad to hear that he was open-minded, like many fathers are.
2: Yeah, um, he told me about things that they'd seen in the air while they were over in the Middle East, uh, you know, in World War II, and Foo Fighters, uh, these these fast-moving little bright lights that uh, seemed intelligently controlled and. So that was really, you know, the, the incentive uh to, to do that. And since he was also an engineer, I learned a lot about physics. He'd bring stuff home from the lab. Uh He worked for an oil exploration or oil recovery division. And uh, so we'd have liquid nitrogen and big uh, double-walled
0: jugs on the kitchen table and mm, free apples. <laughs> yeah, so, that's cool. Like, yeah, so, yeah.
1: Okay, that was that was the the motivation there,
0: and yeah. uh,
2: he also was uh, you know you know the Illuminati business, which was you know the, the major part of the Cosmic Conspiracy book.
0: Yeah, and and let me let me just stop you there really quickly, Stan, and say the cover the cover on that book, the Cosmic Conspiracy, the artwork is incredible, and I do have to admit something here right now that design I. Sort of was a little inspired by it, to be honest with you, and I kind of based that around the logo I use today. Really? Yes.
2: That, uh, pyramid with the top tumbling there and a the flying saucer taking it off and putting it down one or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what? Well, okay, that's fine.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a tribute to you, Stan. It's another little thing that hardly anyone even knows about. Well, thank you
2: for that. I appreciate that. Oh yes,
0: that's my tribute to you for you opening my eyes to a lot of these things.
2: Well, the cover was uh, I designed the cover, uh, but it was actually painted by a friend of mine there, Channel 9. And uh it took us weeks working together to make everything balanced to say what uh, I wanted to say and uh, so anyway, he was he
0: was really good. Awesome. Yeah, so go ahead and continue, but before you do, did dad ever see a UFO?
2: I think he did. It's been a number of years now, then hard to separate um, what he saw and what we talked about. But the fighting of the Illuminati was the thing that right. uh, consumed a lot of his time because when he was over, uh, you know, he was in charge of a, um, an American contingent at uh, Tehran just after the war closed and the president didn't want uh, any Military occupation of that base there, which the Americans and the British jointly handled there, you know, held at uh, Tehran. They were, they were aware that the Russians wanted to push into the oil fields right then, at the close of World War II. So, um, there was a proposition put to my dad and his men, uh, same from the the British government to uh, the British uh, contingent there. Stay where you are, change your uniform patches, you know, make them look like British, make them look like American. But you were going to be discharged with military and you're kind of on your own. Uh, we want you to stay there, run the flights as normal, run the flag up the pole, uh, visit with the local sheikhs, keep our presence there so the Americans are still there. Um, of course, if anything blows up, uh, we never knew you, but, um, <laughs> yeah. we want you guys to, yeah, we want you That's guys funny. to stay there and keep a threat to the Russians so they won't come down and get the oil fields, you know, in the Middle East, which they were aiming to do. They had tanks on the border. So anyway, Dad stayed over there with his men for an extra two years, and um, as I say, it was a forerunner of the CIA, which wasn't in, or it wasn't organized then. It was OSI, and, and uh, a private thing set up with Howard Hughes. He Howard's uh, would send the money weekly mm, in a briefcase yes. in cash by one of his aircraft over to my dad and his uh, troops, and um, that's how they were financed. And uh, for two years, he did that. When he came back, now he knew about the. The illuminati the people that had actually funded the russian revolution and so dad wanted to get that word out to people and formed a book publishing company timely publications and you know um, he made quite a dent across the country uh, yes telling people what was happening so that was an infusion to me to investigate this illuminati and that was in the cosmic conspiracy as well
0: have you or your father ever had any pressure from any outside groups to possibly stop with these books of yours
2: yeah, dad did. Um oh Yeah, he, uh, they hit him pretty hard. Um, I was in the country once when they had the FBI in suits out there, you know, going through all the garbage, uh, bins outside the warehouse where they printed and distributed the books from. And, um, we got calls at home. Mom would get a call while my younger brothers and sister were in school telling her that, uh, if they didn't stop that, uh, the children would arrive in pieces in a cardboard box. Um, and that was a, you know, a clear indication that they wanted dad to stop. Um, I know I, I, I kind of laugh a bit because dad got a 45 automatic pistol and arrow commander one mm-hmm. and, uh, decided to show my mom what to do in case, you know, they hit while he was right. at the office. So he put the clip in, he showed her the safeties, he cocked it and he said, look, this is all you have to do. You know, you push the safety like this, you push it off, push it on, cock the hammer and. You know, he said, but it's safe as long as the safety's on. And to illustrate the point, he held it up, pointed to the ceiling and pulled the trigger, and it blew a hole in the roof. <laughs> oh, my. My mom was in shock for two days. She Need
0: must have say, been.
2: She never picked up
0: the gun. <laughs> she, yes. I'm sure uh, that scared her out of her well. mind.
2: Yeah, but anyway, uh, she and dad worked together. She was his secretary for all this kind of stuff. And they reached, uh, two and a quarter of a million, a million people across the United States uh, warning them about uh, Lyndon Johnson. And now he was a, a mafia a controlled mm-hmm. individual uh, citing uh, J. Abbott's Haley's book, A Texan Looks at Lyndon. And dad distributed a lot of copies for J. Abbott's. And, uh, you know, so yeah, you know, I come from a family of, of act- activists, I suppose, but right wing. Um, and that comes through in most of my work. And that's you know what led me to want to help the uh, you know the, the Teller Group in developing anti-gravity when they approached me and uh, said look we're going to fund research for you we're already ahead of you but come join us and that's what made me get to Australia and I was down there for 30 years before they let me come home.
0: You must have really liked being out there.
2: It was okay. I adapted. Uh, they took my but when when the program fell apart in the mid to late 70s, uh, a number of us were released and uh, said you know disappear. Um, And um, that's a long story, too. But
0: I'm glad you caught my sarcasm, by the way. Of what? Oh, of, of spending so much time there, I'm, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> no, I, you know, look, well, when, the, when I left the program, it was because Sir John and I disagreed, uh, and Sir Henry as well, right, mm-hmm. about letting some of this technology out uh, to the world to save people around the planet, countries that were in need of water and power and stuff and had no way to get it. And they said, you just don't understand, Uh, you know, and it got to a point where they said, you're out. And uh, anyway, that's Politics. Right. Yeah. Within six months to a year of that, I think it was uh, the U.S. government uh, took my passport away and uh, took my citizenship away. I still have the letter to prove it. And it was not until 2001 and the first part of the year that I was. um Greenlighted to come home and have my citizenship returned and that I'd never actually lost it. And here's your passport, Mr. Deo. And here's uh, passports and citizenships and green cards if you need them for all your children you've had while you're down there. Mm, okay. And that was the result of a man stepping in on my behalf. Uh, he'd already made it known in 1996 that he was kind of watching over me. And it was former Secretary of Defense Jim Schlesinger in Clinton's administration he and Clinton and others had copies of the Cosmic Conspiracy there at the White House and the Defense Department. And Interesting. Yeah, he let it be known that what I put in the book was pretty much spot on to what's happening. Um, and, of course, now uh, Jim's dead now. But uh, he greenlighted everything to me when the State Department said they lost my files and took six months of fiddling around. and wouldn't even give me a green card. And then I put in a call to Jim because he'd said I, you know, that he told through a messenger, he told me what had happened. And, um, when, when, uh, I put the message to his secretary, I just told him that, you know, stando needs a favor. But yeah. in seven days, all the, the mystery at the state department cleared up. All my files were found and, oh, it was a mistake. And, you know, mm. and so interesting I, again, I, I must tell you, uh, right up until the plane landed and a few weeks after that, you know, coming back to America, <clears throat> I wondered if it was uh, just to get me closer to make disappearing easier. <laughs> for those that in power, but
0: Native it never happened. Very possible.
2: Well, it never happened. And, uh, if anything, they've, uh, you know, uh, gave me distance. Uh, they, they really haven't uh, done any pressure. I know about, I mean, you know, they may or may not bug my phones or the house or whatever, but.
0: Well, I, I mean, you do never... talk a lot about free energy, so I'm sure that raises a few eyebrows.
2: Well, it's a little bit late for them to stop that. I've already been distributing information underground. So,
0: mm. uh,
2: you know. They're not going to do anything but draw attention to the situation, so that's true, and i'm seventy two and I've had a good trot, me hey boy,
0: yeah, seems like you've had a great time, very interesting life.
2: Well, when I look back on it, uh, talking to folks you know like yourself on the air and things, and i I think, well, yeah, gee, that was fun being in Indiana Jones in the Middle East, and the- yeah. On. And, and That was fun discovering uh, the Garden of Eden, or that was fun finding Atlantis and uh, the cause of the Great Flood, and it was fun finding out about the surface of the planet being spun upside down by a, an asteroid impact. And you know, it, you know, it, it was fun doing movies or you know, television documentaries And Channel Nine about UFOs, and it was you know fun being a presenter for a documentary on the life of Nikola Tesla. So, true uh, graphics. I mean, I got to meet a lot of interesting people, governors and interesting people. But, um, yeah, the, the book you've commented on, The Cosby Conspiracy, has certainly done far more than any of us thought it would, uh, just oh, yes. by word of mouth.
0: Yeah, it's uh, gone around, and I believe it might have been banned in Australia at one point.
2: It was America more than Australia. The uh, the Australians uh, famously supported I mean, several times over. It was a bestseller.
0: Oh, so it was America who was trying to ban this book.
2: Yeah, they would – uh well, we had people that worked uh, – that were friends here in the post office and said uh, they'd get guys – coming into the post office in, you know, dark suits from the government saying, If you get any, you know, packages from this address here, whatever come here about this size, uh, trash them.
0: Yeah, wasted. And,
2: yeah, mm-hmm. and there were Christian bookstores that told us that they had to sell our book under the counter, uh, you know, people had to ask for it because they they'd been told by guys in black suits, You can't sell this book. So they tried here and uh, as, you know, the good Lord would have it, the underground picked it up and uh, pushed it through, you know, uh, other people that bought cases of it and got got them hold them another way and distributed um yeah so now i mean look i found out that prince charles has one of his private library library, and ronald reagan's wife bought him a copy so it has made the rounds of the the public parts of the uh, illuminist movement
0: yeah that's pretty amazing astonishing really and uh, stan i don't mean to kick up any dirt here but I okay. do recall seeing something unusual about Stanton Friedman questioning a few things about your background. I just wanted to ask you if there's any existing heat between the both of you today.
2: Well, not on my part. I didn't even know what did he, what did he have a problem with? Uh,
0: if I remember correctly, he was talking about your, your background and I think it was the Air Force, I believe it was.
2: Huh. Well, it's a matter of public record. I was, um, I went to the Air Force Academy prep school. Um, you know, I have an Air Force ID number, 1847 prefix. Uh, Could at the Air Force Academy, 4617K. You know, I entered in 1963. It was a class of 67. Um, you know, it, it can certainly be tracked in, in the military records.
0: I just think it's unusual that a lot of folks in this field, they seem to have lots of issues with others in the same field for whatever reason.
2: Well, you're not hearing me say that. I, I you know, I.
0: I know I, that's my every words, time I've run across sure.
2: Stanton at uh, some uh, lecture site or whatever, you know, I walk up and say howdy and shake, and uh, I notice it's a bit cool. But hey, I'm easy.
0: Maybe it's water under the bridge now.
2: Well, I think so. Uh, things are about to happen this year. I'm pretty sure that are going to be extraordinary, and uh, there are going to be those who support the uh, disclosure people, the individuals that are going to disclose. And there are those that will see beyond that and understand that this is the fulmination of a long-term, multi-decade, multi-generational plan to bring the Earth into a one-world dictatorship.
0: Oh, yes. Let's talk about that now, since this is very current, and I wanted to talk about current events, and we'll we'll bring all these things full circle right now. Your wife has a new book. Oh, yes.
2: Prophetic Perils. Yes. She finished that last year, uh, late in the year, and... You know uh,
0: relevant to today today right now. Oh, yeah. Still. Oh,
2: yeah, absolutely. I mean, she covers. Oh, gosh, I forget. It's, it's terrible to how many pages. It was like three hundred and ninety some odd, I think. But um, it it covered things in prophecy that were, you know, she, the scripture show you what it was prophesied. And then she's showing current events that support that and brings to the conclusion easily that we're in the end days the end times of this age. Not the end of the earth or anything like that, but it's prophetic end of days, the, the beginning of the tribulation period. And from the data in there, uh, you'd have to be, you know, the the most skeptical person in the world not to see all the documented news stories and releases from the government. Uh, and not only our government, other governments that show changes accelerating in geophysics and astrophysics and uh, political science and, uh, you know, water losses. And, uh, you know, it just... <laughs> And they're herding us into, into cities or wanting to get people off the land into small homes or apartments in city complexes with rapid transit between them. But the rest of the area of the planet, they want to have as uh, growing fields and oxygen producing forests and stuff like that. So we're all being herded into what they call Ickley cities, the I-C-L-E-I cities. That's an abbreviation for the long words in it. She does cover that. And, um, you can see on our website, um, there's a, uh, up at the very top of the page or, or Links that you can click on the pictures And if you click on the ones that's Prophetic Perils New, it will take you over Where it describes some of the things that she talks about About the signs in the heavens And particularly uh, September the 23rd This year, the sign of the Virgin With the planets lining up First time in 2,000 some odd years Changes in the sun, well that's obvious I mean that's definitely things are happening on the sun at the moment um,
0: Yeah, lots know, of strange weather
2: well, Yeah, I mean It's uh, bizarre but, we're two or three weeks ahead of the normal uh, start of spring. Um, and, and here we are. We're, like today, we were at 74 degrees outside. And the day before, about 60-some-odd. And in a couple of days, we'll be back down to 35, you know, uh, up, down, up, down. And the last two years, it's destroyed trees in our orchard out here because uh, they'd start to bud thinking, well, it's time. And then a quick frost would come after that, a quick freeze. And we'd lose, you know, blossoms. And last year we lost trees. We lost half of our orchard due to sun bleach from this heating cooling business that happens. So I don't know what's going to happen this year. We're not replanting any more trees, but it's just a sign that that that, that is happening. And uh, Holly goes on about, uh, she reports the, uh, work of, of I think four or five Christian uh, prophets who have over the last 60 or 70 years, given visions of america's coming destruction and uh, that's in chapter 16 it's a whole chapter about
0: him that reminds me stan in the bible it says that we are going to see the antichrist do you believe we'll see him in this lifetime or have we already
2: <clears throat> i'm sure that we've probably uh, been made aware of the guy in the news somehow or another but not that he's an antichrist uh, if i understand the timing of the the rapture, and certainly there are a couple of really good things I've just read recently, um, we're going to see the rapture occur 30 days before the beginning of the seven-year tribulation, and the, from what Paul uh, told, I think it was a Thessalonians, issue, have you seen, has the Antichrist been revealed yet? No? Well, then don't worry, you haven't been skipped over in the rapture. So the rapture comes before he's identified, but it doesn't tell you whether he's identified at the beginning of the seven years, in the middle of it, or you know, whatever. So, um, yeah, I, I think that he's alive and, and uh, been training, whether it be someone from this country or someone from the Middle East or someone from Turkey. Um, I don't know. And I don't think we'll be here. Those of us that are Christian believers will be here to see that. We'll witness it from the heavens.
0: Understood. So much going on. It certainly feels like these are the end of days.
2: I am really worried. Uh, I am you
0: know,
2: too. We've got a president at the moment which has... You know, we voted for him here at the House, but um, he has a task ahead of him that I don't think any human being could wade through without getting bruised and bruising us at the same time. Just too much has been put in place by the evil administrations and the one world government, the invisible government, the shadow government, whatever you want to call them. Um, so he's got roadblocks ahead of him in everything he wants to do to try to turn the country back to a Christian-based, profitable uh, you know, country. And I, I worry for him because I think that the globalists are certainly putting so much pressure on him that they want him to, well, I don't know, be impeached or something else to happen to him more fatal. Um, so around here we pray for him every day. We do know that the man is a man, has his faults. And, uh, you know, I, I think if we're honest, all of us have that history in the background somewhere. Um, but if we can make it till September the, t- the 23rd this year, or even August the 24th or 25th. I will be surprised if we can make it before America is bombed. You know, I, I've said we, this has been a, a clear and present danger for several years and Holly will tell you, I'd say this year's got to be the year. Well, this year tef- definitely things are lining up for civil war in the United
0: States. A civil uh, uprising. Yeah. I was just about to ask you about that. It almost seems yeah. like there's one currently in um, the horizon.
2: The thing is that the right, the, uh, Rising is uh, supposed to be from the left wing, you know, the, the democratic side of the, the polarization. Typically, they didn't buy guns or ammo or, you know, have the weapons to uprise. But it only takes 6% of that mindset uh, on that side to be motivated and given weapons to effect uh, a, an overthrow of the government. Um, we have the right wing, of course, which has been preparing for a long time, have you know, numerous weapons and uh, ammo and uh, food stocks, et cetera, et cetera. So whatever, somebody will start this. will be a house divided and probably the White House will have to institute military law in various places to stop fighting or try to. While all that's going on and before the military can be refitted with everything they need to make up the deficit that the last eight years or 12 years has, has created in their budget, uh, we will see an attack, uh, I think, by Russia, possibly by North Korea, certainly by China. While we're weak and fighting and fighting amongst ourselves in a divisive war, it's the best time to attack us.
0: I also want to make something very clear to everyone out there: I don't have a dog in the fight. I've never did, and I want to say I would have supported anyone that is our president here in the United States, and these problems would have been persistent no matter who took lead.
2: Yeah, one way or another,
0: it would have happened. And you know, I see North Korea being very, very bad, sir. I, I have my eye on them, certainly, especially with all these things going on. With well, you his know brother? That,
2: that, that Young, Kim Young, whatever you name Jung Young. Nam,
0: yeah. He, yeah,
2: his yeah, yeah. He, uh, he has at least 200 submarines that we know about uh, of a class that is capable of carrying their sub, uh, submersible missiles, you know, on the submarines.
0: Kim Jong-un, yes.
2: Yes, yes. That fellow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, he, he, he presents uh, a much, more present danger than most Americans realize. They think that he's depending on the surface launches of these missiles but he's really testing warhead carrying capabilities and range and with this fleet of 200 submarines he could very well go offshore either coast of the United States and institute a problem. Particularly he hates New York and wants to nuke that. Uh, You know Russia at the moment will probably have to do something the United States go along with it because Russia is being tugged into the Middle East to help in the Iranian situation, uh, sorry, the Syrian and uh, situation, and it's actually kind of uh, wanting to to reestablish a toehold in the Middle East. And so, to do that, it also means they're going to have to support attacking Israel with whoever their allies end up being over there in the Syria region. Wouldn't. We, when they did that, the United States would logically support Israel and uh, would, uh, you know, fight Russia, would bomb their troops and whatever. So it makes sense for Russia to neutralize the United States as a military force while Russia, you know, expands its uh, power base in the Middle East. So that means we have to go out, and I think this year, uh, early this year, in fact, is probably a logical time for this to happen while our government is still. Uh, not fully trained and the new jobs are not, you know, fully understood or organized by the people that have been appointed. And there were, what, several hundred jobs that still haven't been approved uh, by Senate. And so this means that it would be a perfect time while we're scurrying around the first hundred days or so here trying to get organized to strike
0: us. You know, I'm kind of tired of North Korea and, and these threats, but that's kind of radical for me to even say that on the air. But I'll just say it is a little troubling, though.
2: It is, and I don't know whether we'll see nukes go off in the Middle East uh, before America gets pretty much destroyed from inside and then from outside the country, or whether it will happen after the nukes go off over there. I know that, you know, if you read the Cosmic Conspiracy, that I looked at several crisis curves that all got to come together at the end of this whole plan yes. to make a global dictatorship. And we're seeing the threat of nuclear war. We're seeing threat of famines in the press. Uh, we're seeing um, – Climate change threatening things We're seeing diseases, pandemics That fortunately have been controlled so far But are breaking out in Africa We're seeing poverty, a great disparity Between rich and poor um, And between communism and capitalism We're just seeing all these crisis curves And the threat to the world economy You know, to bring oh, yes. it down mm-hmm. uh, And well, way out there a bit, asteroid impact, you know, the exploding bolide over um, Russia here, you know, a few months back,
0: a couple of months, couple of years, I guess, but, uh, you know, we Oh yeah, I recall. Yeah. That was, but okay. that was amazing, by the way, that video.
2: Yeah, it was. There were, there were several guys that had their cameras yeah. on in the cars. That was it up.
0: truly something else.
2: Now at the time, I wasn't sure and I'm still not, but I know that, um, in Europe that the, uh, United States had, uh, Set up a base. It was doing some testing, and I I tracked the testing um, by looking at um, the sea surface temperature anomalies uh, in the South Pacific and in Europe. And I found out that there was a strange anomaly, a heat anomaly, that appeared uh, off the coast of uh, New Zealand in the exact antipodal position to their base, to the U.S. base in in Europe. And I tracked it and found out that it looked like it was very well a, a Tesla type. Uh, Device they were testing in Europe at their base there hmm. to, to produce a shield over, you know, the area, not only the base, but over, you know, part of Europe to, to um, incinerate fast moving missiles coming in. Well, I, I had to wonder with the, the asteroid that we're talking about that exploded over Russia. Uh, it was intact until it hit a certain point in the atmosphere, which they had on camera and then suddenly it broke apart. Uh, and true. I'm wondering if it hit the shield. It was a charged object coming in through the shield. Yeah, good up. point. Hmm. Anyway, who knows? But, um, you know, there are possible, things happening. Possible,
0: though. Very possible.
2: Hard to know where to look except off the planet.
0: That makes me no, – well, that kind of reminds me of the film Deep Impact.
2: Yes, yes.
0: I love that film, by the way.
2: Yeah, there are a number of uh, films that have come out that um, can be used as, you know, explaining what is happening now. Hollywood seems to have picked up uh, authors' books that uh, are good uh, in in a secular way, but also tell us, you know, that people are thinking like we are about what the options are coming ahead. One that I think of when you talk about movies is the movie V, which was made in the the mid-'70s. And um, Kenneth Johnson wrote that that series and the movie, and uh, it tells about, you know, um, Friendly aliens coming to the planet in search of uh, salt water resources, or something you know, ridiculous like that. And uh, as the, the plot develops, you find out that these humans look just like us, um, are really reptilian, you know, reptiles underneath, like lizards that have got these superstructure skins out of latex and whatever makes them look human. So it's like, uh, like in the Bible, where Satan is related to a serpent in the Garden of Eden, that we have. Uh, serpent or reptilian type beings coming to earth posing as humans. And although I doubt that I ever met one when I worked in, in, uh, Teller's organization in Australia, I did hear about them, uh, you know, inside uh, the group. Um, and their skin apparently in the sunlight, it's got little tiny scales. Uh, you know, our skin, if it gets moist in the sunlight, we might see a little bit of a rainbow sparkle here and there, but mm-hmm. not, not usually theirs apparently looks like an oil slick in a bright sunlight. It, it gives that really bright rainbow effect on their skin. Ah, yes. Which I assume comes from scales, but um, you know they're coming like the movie V, and they're going to uh, promise us you know all kinds of wonderful things, including solving the planet.
0: That reminds me of one of your pages on your website, your dream visions about the coming alien deception. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, I forget which one it was, but uh, uh, when was that? The coming one in 2007 August. Yeah, that's
0: right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting stuff there, and uh, Mr. Dale, I must ask you. We all saw the outrageous WikiLeaks over over the the time period here. What's your take on all of that? My goodness!
2: You mean it about uh, Russia and about the uh, emails and that about, kind of stuff? About
0: like everything, yeah.
2: Well, having read uh, a, a book, which you know, I, I think people need to be fairly uh, well grounded when they read it, so they don't go off half cocked, but. There's a book called The Protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion, which was uh, done in uh, Russia, and uh, it was the basis for how the Nazi Party took over in uh, Germany for World War II. And whoever wrote this, it's not the, the Jewish people like they try to indicate in the book, but whoever wrote it had a solid knowledge of, of the plan that would be instituted from that time forward till now until we have this one-world government. And in that, they tell about appointing a one-world leader a dictator a king but they do say that we'll have to have three men placed close at hand to him at all times he won't know which ones but each of them has the authority to cut his throat if he steps out of line now that's i'm sure they, they could use guns as well but that's what they said in the protocols but everything the protocols described about uh influencing religion and loss of faith and uh managing the economies and creating wars between blocks of countries to end up with one winner where the whole world is under one winning, you know, side. All these things, uh, except for the global, uh, last global war, have occurred. So I think that we do need to pay attention to things like that and uh, and not look at who wrote it because it was, I read the document a number of times, and I found that it was obviously uh, like tinted or yellow journalism trying to Give with the use of certain evocative words and names the impression that uh, a Jewish group had written it um, doesn't mean that anybody involved in it wasn't Jewish, but it wasn't organized like that so i I hesitate to point people in that direction because I think it is a spurious work which was turned uh, the wrong way to cause the holocaust and uh, so you know you have to read it with wisdom
0: understood. another thing that plagues my mind a little bit here is Osama bin Laden. Do you believe he, in 2011, was taken out by SEAL Team 6?
2: I don't know. I mean, how would anybody know these days?
0: Well, you know, Stan, back in what was it, 2001, Fox News put out that article about him being dead and them having a funeral. Lots of Taliban were were there to report this.
2: I haven't seen that. I didn't realize that Fox had reported like that.
0: I'm going to have to send you that. Oh yeah, Thank it's, you. it's appreciate still, that. it's still up today. And I've always thought, isn't that weird? I, even at the time, I, I remember seeing that on the internet. Right. And I just thought, well, okay. And then later on in 2011, they're saying that they, they killed him. They killed him. And, and I'm thinking, really? What happened mm. in 2001?
2: Yeah. Um, interesting story. You know, the Bin Laden family, very close to the. The Saud family of Saudi Arabia. In fact, there's strong evidence that the Saud family financed Osama bin Laden. Um, and also other things like Al Nusra front and, uh, you know, um, oh, uh, starts with an H anyway, a number of the terrorist organizations in the early days. So, um, ah, oh, yeah, thank you. I got you. There you story. go. Yeah. Yeah. I'll put that out to look at it later.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <clears throat> the, um, the thing that worries me about that is that the, the Saudis are going to play an important part, already starting to do so in the Middle East and the power balance over there. The the king at the time died, you know, in two thousand and one. One, yeah, right? Uh, but here in the last two or three years, uh, the new king uh, took over, uh, uh, King uh, Mohammed uh, uh, bin Salman, the king. But he had a son who is now rising to power underneath him, Mohammed bin Salman Al Saud, uh, the son. Uh, and King Salman um, is going senile And so he's been turning over a number of his portfolios Strong military, financial, all kinds of portfolios over to his son When he, he, his son's cousin is the official heir that should take over when the king dies Or becomes you know, senile And that's Mohammed bin Nayef And uh, around the court there they call him MBF or MBN, sorry, Mohammed bin Nayef and they called the king's son, Mohammed bin Salman, MBS, because there are two of them that are Mohammeds, uh, one Naif and one uh, Salman. And the interesting thing I find about this this young Mohammed bin Salman, MBS, being called MBS, is that because of something he did last year, he organized 34 Arabic nations into a military uh, coalition to fight uh well, to fight evil and to fight uh, terrorism and uh, ISIS and that kind of stuff. But he um, formed this union, this Arabic union of 34 nations. And I looked at that and I thought, MBS and AU, what does that spell? You can make a word called Mabus, which comes out of Nostradamus' name for the Antichrist of this age. Not that I support Nostradamus in too much of his prophetic uh, writings, but... The fact that he called the name of the third Antichrist Mabus, M-B-S, and A-U being the vowels, Arabic Union, and this guy coming to power over there in the Middle East makes me wonder whether our our first beast, our Antichrist, is going to be from the Middle East and not last long, because it's the second beast that does a lot of the terrible things we attribute to the Antichrist.
0: Oh, yes. it also says the man of the East is a wild man. Seems to be true, doesn't it?
2: Well, uh yeah, look, I've looked at a number of people. I, I mean, I I looked at uh, President Erdogan of Turkey, um, I looked at uh, Mohammed bin Salman of Saudi Arabia, um also at um, Bashar assad in Syria, then I looked over at uh, General Soleimani and the mullahs over in Iran. So there are four or five. I even looked at Obama, who allegedly was born in uh, Kenya, trying to figure out which of these fit most of the writings in the book of, in the Bible about the Antichrist of our times and there are a couple of leaders in the field and uh, you know uh, Erdogan, I'm still got an eye on him and he might be the second beast I don't know who does things in the name of the first beast which happens to be uh, you know Mohammed bin Salman of Saudi Arabia. but because of what I discovered last year in discovering Atlantis and making and discovering that it was Saudi Arabia and that it was separated from all the continents around it, really he said water all wow. the way around it. Yeah. Um, in fact, if you go to um, – are you on the computer at a moment to see?
0: Yeah, I'm right here.
2: Oh, okay. of course you are.
0: Yeah, I'm right here. Don't worry. How are
2: we talking otherwise? Yes. I did uh-huh. that. I did that. Um,
0: Telepathy. You,
2: <laughs> well, that or osmosis, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, if you go to our homepage and go down just uh, underneath the picture of Holly's book, The uh, Garden Gold, just, you'll see over in the right YouTube uh, icon for YouTube, and under that, Recent interviews and to the right of that you'll see show images and click on that page show images and go over to Uh image number one which is down about uh, four or five rows and click on that and um, it will take you over to a sub page about Atlantis Mm -hmm. and click on number 11 of there and it will bring you a high resolution picture of Saudi Arabia. Uh, with the water showing where the water came from the Mediterranean, all through the Persian Gulf, around the Arabian Sea, around the Gulf of Aden, around the Red Sea, and back out to the Mediterranean. It was totally cut off. And the way I calculated that was uh, from data we got from the watermarks on the islands, or sorry, on the mountains of Turkey that are right close to the border there where it says Straits of Heracles. Uh, they were 1600, uh, like they, the water level was 1650 feet higher in the past. And down at Oman near the Arabian Sea, the, that end of Atlantis or the Arabian Peninsula was pushed down. It was pushed down 10,000 feet by the weight of, of seabed and mantle that was thrown back on it by a large asteroid and back to the east of India. That caused the Great Flood. It caused the earthquakes and the breakup of Atlantis and the destruction of most of the people that lived there. However, we know that a few survived these sweeping tidal waves that went around the planet several times. Um the whole planet did not go underwater and that's not what it says in the Hebrew. It's, uh, that land where all these bad flesh were being built or, you know, being made. Um and that was Atlantis. It was one of uh, 12 sites on the planet where the fallen sons of God, according to the Egyptian records and Plato, uh, made their, their Their stand and and, uh, settled Atlantis' Poseidon digs And his information survived In the Egyptian records More than the other 11 who landed In South America and Central America And North America and Europe and China We have records of things like pyramids And things that do tie us to Other variants of the same technology there Anyway, when you look Into the records uh, of the Bedouins Who live in the Arabian Peninsula They they say that uh, Saudi Arabia used to be an island and I've plotted this. You'll see little islands and stuff that are formed. I actually went down mile by mile, plotted the, the uh, elevations of all that, and tilted the uh, the Arabian Peninsula. I tilted it toward the Mediterranean and raised it in the Arabian Sea so that 1,650 feet of water was now over on the Mediterranean side. When I did, all kinds of interesting things did form, and you see that where the, the – uh, the water comes out of uh, the Mediterranean where the Straits of Heracles are, straight down in right through uh, what is kind of the Euphrates Valley, Euphrates-Tigris Valley now. And that was before this impact. Um, anyway. I have no idea.
0: Atlantis, yeah, amazing. And,
2: well, because it was Atlantis um, and, and this crossbreeding, the bad genetic uh, thing in Genesis 6, this is where Noah lived, somewhere in, in this Atlantean continent. And it was all of that continent it was the main thing. But the, the Poseidon's Island, which is a little tiny island, was down the Persian Gulf there at Damama Island. You can't see that in this drawing. But anyway, because Noah was there, he was the only clean genetic line, human line from Adam and Eve's time, which was Garden of Eden up in uh, Tanzania. Uh, his bloodline was clean. So the purpose of the flood and the uh, huge earthquakes and destruction breaking up the surface of the earth there was to destroy all those crossbreeding, you know, uh, evil people, uh, in Saudi Arabia, which, you know, was Atlantis. Now to see this now surfacing as a major player in world stability, a major financial institution has been financing political parties here and in Europe and all over the place, worries me a bit. It's like the return of the Nephilim because it's as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the end days. And if Atlantis is a Saudi thing and if Mohammed bin Salman, the Saud family are in charge of that, that we have to watch them very closely because they're forming a military alliance over there uh, in the old, you know, uh, land of where the the hybrids between the giant fallen ones and our Earth women occurred, and having proved so many things to make this fill what Plato said as far as Atlantis, um, you know, I I have I have to say that uh, a front runner is the leader of Saudi Arabia, which is at the moment seems like it's going to be young MBS.
0: Interesting. What's your take on 9-11? Well, there seems heard, to be a big connection here with what we're talking about.
2: Well, you know, the, the Saudis got cranky before the election. Mm-hmm. They didn't want certain information released about their involvement in financing some of the terrorists that did that.
0: Yep, those redacted um, pages.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, look, there's a lot of uh, architectural and uh, demolition-type evidence that's come to play being analyzed by professionals in their field over the years since then. Which do indicate that that was a controlled demolition because there was no, um, lateral, you know, destruction except for one part of the plane that flew out to one floor or to another building, but basically it fell straight down. Um, you know, and it just wouldn't have happened that way with the elevator shafts and stuff being offset and the, the, uh, the stairwells and things. It should have fallen to one side, but it didn't either one of them. So, you know, it, it does speak of somehow controlled demolition in conjunction with, uh, somebody to blame for it to uh, get us into the Middle East, I guess. I don't know why. but
0: It seems like it, right?
2: It does. It does. And I hate to think that uh, the uh, administration is involved.
0: Right. We don't like to think about it that way, but sometimes the people that we see and hear aren't exactly who they really are. I know. That's why I never trusted any politician, and that's why to this day I can't really support the left or the right because they both play for the same team.
2: Well, there's some interesting information coming out about uh, George Soros making a line of credit for $250 million.
0: George Soros, yeah, his name's always out there, someone who wants to overthrow the government for sure.
2: Well, he gave a line of credit like that to uh, President Trump's son-in-law.
0: By the way, didn't you speak to Trump's uncle? Yes, I did. You interviewed him, correct?
2: Yeah, years ago. uh, he was on a film tour, um, coming to the United States, going into Europe about the life of Nikola Tesla. And, mm-hmm. um, so the guy that had actually opened up the mystery box, the secret of the, you know, super powerful weapon, uh, Tesla left that behind wrapped in brown paper at the Hotel New Yorker where he was as surety against the back Randy Odom. And, uh, the FBI called Professor Trump in to open the box and see if there was anything lethal in it. <laughs> Um, you know, a super weapon or whatever. And as I said in the uh, video I put up on my YouTube channel, uh, I was interviewing, uh, John Trump, Dr. Trump, Professor Trump in uh, the Boston high voltage office there of the company he'd started. Uh, and we were sitting across from each other when he started telling me about how the FBI recruited him to come go open up the, the parcel of Tesla and look through some of these other notes that they had. He said they took him to the hotel in New Yorker there and put him up at the front desk and had the, the clerk bring out the brown paper bag wrapped in twine, sit it in front of him on the counter and then run off. And the FBI agents all move themselves back 40, 50 feet behind, uh, you know, granite pillars in the lobby mm-hmm. and hid themselves from the explosion might happen when he opened up the, the parcel. So right. they left, uh, you know, uh, Professor Trump sitting there, um, you know, and, and and he was so curious about what Tesla had developed and what he'd left behind that he thought, well, uh, uh, there's only one chance. You know, i I, I got to see. And so he took out his knife, and he felt underneath all the twine and stuff wrapped around it and couldn't find any wires or anything that would uh, you know detonate when he opened it up. And So he cut the twine and laid it to the side, and then he felt with his hands all over the brown paper to see if there's any bumps in the, the paper indicating something underneath the paper that would go off or spring load or whatever, nothing. So then he opened up the brown paper and spread it out. And He said, you know, uh, I saw this hand-rubbed, like walnut, a thing with brass fittings on handles and a, and a little latch, and it was, you know, a, a box with a lid on it. And he said, so I thought, well, maybe it's going to go off if I open this lid up. So he searched all around the rim to see if there was any kind of indication that something inside would explode when he opened it up and didn't find anything. So then he opened it up. To his great relief, he said, it didn't explode, and I saw what it was. And I motioned to those brave FBI agents it was safe to come out now. So they came over. And I, I remember his eyes twinkled wow. like an Irishman when he's, he's, he's you know, the brave <laughs> FBI agents anyway. So Professor Trump looked at it, and he told me, he said, well, it was nothing but a, a decade resistance box, or Wheatstone Bridge, which was the forerunner of the multimeter we use today to measure resistance and things like that. And he said there was no secret message, no, you know, clue to a superweapon in there at all of just this – Decade resistance box. So I said to, to him off camera. I said to Professor Trump. I said Did you ever stop to think read a number of Tesla's papers and invention that what he was telling you was that the Wheatstone bridge operates on three known values and one unknown, but it matches the impedance between two sets on one side of a, of a resistance gate and two, uh, one unknown and one known on the other side. It says if you put things into impedance matching into harmony so that something with a little amount of energy over, over here can pound the earth's surface, blah, 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 like that. And yeah, it can feed yeah. a much larger wave uh, going around the entire planet that a small thing impedance match to the vibration of the planet could actually crack the earth in half. Jesus. And he looked at me and he said, you know, an interesting point. I never thought about that. And that was the message. That was, if you look at all of yeah. Tesla's work, it was on harmonics between the primary and secondary coil, between um, uh, vibrating hammers and the earth substructure or mantle. Uh, that was what he was all about. And so he was letting the secret be known. If you knew his work, you would know what he meant by impedance matching being the secret to the great superweapon.
0: Right. And, you know, on a side note here, have you ever driven a Tesla before?
2: No, I haven't actually.
0: You definitely should if you ever get the chance to.
2: Oh, I know that the torque would be interesting with an electric drive.
0: It's pretty amazing, I must say. Driving that and going back to a regular vehicle just it doesn't do me any justice. <laughs> it really doesn't. That thing is amazing. It's basically a go-kart, a very yeah, fast go-kart. Yeah, an electric
2: go-kart. It, it really is. And uh, you know what kind of acceleration those things can give you.
0: Zero to 16. Uh, one,
2: thing that, one thing that Elon Musk uh Tesla Motors is missing is, say again,
0: Oh, I was just saying, zero to sixty in three point seven seconds.
2: Yeah, that's that's impressive.
0: That's pretty good, right? Yeah. Not too Yeah, bad. that
2: might spill your your milkshake on the way. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I dig it. Yeah, if you ever get a chance, I highly recommend it. You got to get in there at least once. Test drive. Well,
2: I will try. Uh, I have tried to make contact with uh, Elon Musk and his company through their R and D wing. Um, there is something they need. Uh, they need a power source that is not dependent upon. Uh, any fossil fuels or the sunlight or that kind of stuff they need something they can carry on board and Tesla did uh, develop that and uh, it got lost in the mix somewhere, but uh, Basically, he used the same principle that T. Henry Murray developed after reading Tesla's uh, papers in the early 1900s And he you can draw energy out of the atmosphere in an aircraft on the surface of the planet there are a number of ways you can hook up a, a resonant circuit to trap the kinetic energy of the solar wind, you know, bombarding the upper atmosphere. And it works day and night. The only difference on the night side of the planet is you drop about 25% of the available power because the shockwave has to travel around the planet. But uh, the the Tesla car with one of those on its surface, uh, on the roof, would uh, have perpetual power until the sun goes out.
0: That would be incredible. Yeah. By the way, how do you feel about SpaceX? Allegedly, they are going to fly out to a tourist around the moon in 2018.
2: Well, I guess it uh, raises share values and gets publicity. I don't know that that's a practical thing at this point. I had something else that I wanted to share with them, which I did uh, uh, give a bit of it to them uh, at SpaceX. I said, look, share this with Elon or your board of directors or whatever. I said, there is a way to reduce the fuel consumption on your your, your missiles that take stuff up to suborbit to go to the space station, which would also help you in deep space propulsion. And it reduces the amount of power you need uh, from the surface of the earth up to uh, suborbit by about 85 to 90%, which is a great fuel savings. And it's a much safer type design. However, nobody answered back. So, you know, hmm. I don't know what the plan is when you see that much money in, involved in his corporations, you know, that he's not in control of all that, that there are bankers or investors that really control the thing, and I have yes. that inside the company. He's not really in charge.
0: Yeah, that's how I feel about all of that, too. That's why it, it's hard to fully get behind any any of these free energy proportion systems that are out there where people are trying to develop themselves because someone in, in, in a black suit is going to visit you pretty soon. Probably, probably. Uh, the suits will visit you and take away all of that.
2: Well, if you try to do it to make a profit, yeah. If you share it in the underground, which is being done by several folks at the moment, it's the secret's out. And there's also part of the information on anti-gravity being leaked out as well. So uh, at this point, to preempt anybody announcing these things, we're going to see, I'm pretty sure, the alien landing business, the advanced technology that couldn't be from Earth, that has to play to keep their psychological advantage this year sometime.
0: Gotta tell you one thing. I would not go to the moon, no matter how much money I had and no matter how good of shape I was. I am afraid of heights and just going up there on the <laughs> rocket, just being strapped on that rocket is, is terrifying to me enough.
2: Well, if you could do it with a, a true anti-gravity device, it would really be a fun trip. It Wouldn't that, take, that's a day, thing. take a few minutes, but right. Uh, you know, these are some of the technologies that I wanted to, Sir John them to release. You know, Back in the 70s, I just didn't understand it was part of their, their grand plan at the time to hold it all back and create a artificial super society. But you know, in the close of World War II, uh, in the early 50s, I think that uh, they did our group did make contact uh, with these fallen ones, the Greys and the Nordic-looking people that reported in the UFO community, and that's why we built bases underground to uh, build infrastructure. For manufacturing and development of technologies they wanted to do, the the uh, followment. Yeah. Um Anyway, that I, I digress. But that that uh, we lost uh, control of those bases in the late 70s, and uh, I was already out of the organization by that time. But uh, it was reported to me by people that survived the breakup of the organization that we had to deal with these guys, um, and uh, they now kind of control the planet with their technology. So we have to deal with them with what we can produce and release. Now, as I say, the illusion of uh, uh, you know fake uh, elder brothers in space is being replaced by real fallen ones from a parallel universe so our guys had the right idea about you know trying to coerce or fool the people of earth into accepting a one-world government at the hands of a obviously much more advanced civilization and all this technology and that's why it was all you know being kept uh, secret but now then of course uh, the fallen ones have control of all that
0: and you believe and, they will be returning this year or soon right
2: oh they're here now uh this, No returning, just announcing their presence officially It had to come at a certain time when the nations, the people
0: So, of there, the so you think there's going to be a disclosure?
2: Yeah, I do, I do
0: Well, you are one of the only ones I've talked to who believes that Everyone thinks this suppression is just going to keep going on and on
2: Well, they don't know why it's being done If they did, they'd understand
0: Yeah, that's true By the way, did you hear about all this stuff going on in Antarctica?
2: You mean uh, world leaders, astronauts, or former astronauts all going down mm-hmm. there and uh, strange things uh, happening after
0: Correct. Visits. Yeah, wh- what's all that about?
2: Well, there's something down there. Uh, certainly the rumors say there's a city under the ice that they've uncovered. But since, uh, you know, in, inside the the, the tele-organization there was rumored that we had a base down there at Antarctica, shared by these alien critters, maybe. Mm-hmm. What well, they've discovered is a city they've built under the ice, you know, since the late uh, – 40s. I don't
0: right. know. Yeah, it's interesting to see. Very well, interesting you know, to read that all these people going out there, these these mm-hmm. leaders.
2: Well, I can see the leadership going if it was something like the Illuminist uh, setting up on um, one of the little islands down there in Antarctica as a uh, a bolt hole, a safe uh, place for them to be while the rest of the world has war and you know fights and you know, civilians riot and that kind of stuff. It'd be safe to be off the continent and out of reach of the normal person. That might be that, and it might be that plus the fact that there really are these fallen ones down there with the super technology to protect them. However, I am pretty certain from what my studies have shown is that um, Satan is, you know, very smart uh, individual, and he knows that if you have people that will betray humans, you know, for favors from Satan, he also knows that they would turn and betray him if they got a better offer. So as soon as he takes over the planet, one of the first things he's going to do and people in the conspiracy and UFO societies will p- applaud this. He will destroy the, the Illuminist movement in, in the world. He'll get rid of the banking systems and offer a much better solution under their global model for, you know, planet earth. And when that happens, people will race, run, rush to join that don't know any better. But the Bible tells you beware of the first one. This yes. arrival apparently, you know, uh, our super creators with the super technology, they will claim all kinds of stuff and prove it, back it up with technology that people will say, oh, this must be the return of the Messiah. And it won't be. It will be a deception.
0: just yeah, like a great deception, thing. right?
2: Well, think about it. What other deception, great deception that the Bible speaks of, that Jesus speaks of in Matthew? What thing be so great to fool even the elect, the house of Israel and the church? It has to be something on a global scale. That fits in with the philosophy, religion of the two, and would be enough to convince them. But Jesus also says, if such were possible, that they would be fooled. Now, that to me means that before this is dropped on us, and if it's this year, late in the year in uh, September, well, in September, that the church, the believers, messianic and, uh, and gentile believers, and uh, Jesus will have to be removed from the earth because otherwise they would be subject to being deceived by this global arrival.
0: This also kind of sounds like. Blue beam, the blue beam project, if yeah, you recall. to, to a degree. A little bit, but right it, In fact, part bit. of that
2: might be incorporated to, um, you know, uh, enlarge the illusion. Um, you can make a mile-wide diameter craft, okay? You can skin it and make it with light, uh, you know, uh, materials and put pods underneath it, you know, flying saucer, 30-foot uh, disks that use anti-gravity. Put them at, at uh, regular spaces in a grid network under this, and when you turn them on and link them together, it creates – a huge field all through this mile-wide diameter craft generated by all these smaller craft that can actually be discharged or released from the the big ship and come down and be a UFO that lands and talks to people. But by using them in concert under that grid, you can house it. You can make a a thing that looks like there must be zillions of people living on it uh, inside that mile-wide diameter craft. And most people that are engineers or physicists would see that hovering over a city and their jaw would drop to the floor and they would be totally bewildered. There's, how do you do something like that with a, a thing so big? It's beyond our technology. It's only beyond what they've been taught. But anyway, this illusion can be uh, amplified by blue beam projections up in the upper atmosphere as well. So yep. it's not, it's not totally lost. It's just there yes. are more things to it.
0: Very wild stuff ahead. I truly feel it's um very strange feeling in the air i would have to say 2017 only a few months in and my goodness it seems chaotic already i know i know especially around the world my goodness in sweden my god the people out there i feel terrible i feel so bad about that they have to go through all those things out there right now
2: yeah i know it's gonna get worse all over the planet we're not exempt and I am holding my breath every morning I get up expecting to hear it started here in the United States.
0: Yes. And uh, speaking of um, troubling issues here or topics rather, you yourself had a near death experience if I, cur- if I remember correctly, right Stan?
2: Yeah. 1969.
0: Ooh. I did. Can, and, we, uh, can we talk a little bit about that in here? Sure. Sure. I've um, been curious you know, I, about this.
2: Well, I, I was raised in a Jewish Christian home and so I had a strong background in both, but. Uh, wandered away from it when I went off to the academy and started my own, you know, work after I left the Air Force down in Dallas. Um, so, and, you know, I was quite ill. I contracted some kind of a bacterial infection, probably from the swimming pool outside uh, in the apartments where I lived in 69. Anyway, I'd gone to the hospital and I said, look, this is really, you know, dragging me down. Can you fix it? So they gave me uh, acromycin-4, an antibiotic, which was experimental at the time, and, um, in, you know, injection and tablets and sent me home. Well, <clears throat> I was in a great deal of pain all over the body, so I um, went into my apartment and, you know, laid on the, the bed in the bedroom on my back and hands out, feet uh, stretched out, trying to find a position where my joints and muscles didn't hurt so much because uh, they didn't give me any painkiller, they just gave me antibiotics. Anyway, so I'm laying there, and it's evening, um, and... I noticed an odd thing. There are people, you know, outside the apartment in the swimming pool. And I could hear them tossing the balls and, you know, playing water, you know, polo and that kind of stuff. And, uh, I noticed that, well, gosh, the, the volume knob on that's all being turned down. In fact, gosh, the, the volume on everything I hear in the room is being turned down to where I can't hear anything. And I was amazed by that and I started analyzing what was happening. Then I noticed I had tunnel vision where the, looking up the ceiling, the, the, White light of the ceiling was diminishing right above me into a circle that was getting smaller and smaller and smaller, and there was nothing. So I couldn't see anything. I couldn't hear anything. And now I was intrigued. wasn't frightened, just intrigued. Now, I, as I said, I'd moved away from the faith at the time. I had been active in it, and um, I guess that's what you call a backslidden Christian. But um, anyway, I, that's where I was. And I had my arms stretched out to the side straight as I could, and my legs stretched out and crossed kind of like a you know you'd be on a cross laying out uh, that way right anyway so i i noticed in this blind and, and deaf state that i started to roll up out of my body up toward you know my head rolled over and i was looking down at my navel uh, from about 2 or 3 feet away and this thing like a a faucet with a little drop of water in slow motion started to fall down toward my navel and i i wanted to follow it so i i i wanted to and i started to follow it down toward my navel and bang Suddenly I was going the opposite direction, up through the roof, you know, gone out into this smooth, silky darkness that was very comfortable. But I could feel the, the, the motion through it at very high speed because something was flowing through my body as I, you know, it was accelerated out in that direction. Ooh. And uh, I thought, wow. And I remember, um, seeing, um, off to my side, maybe 60 to a hundred little theaterettes like TV screens. And they were showing events in my life before that time where I had hurt people by what I'd said or done. And it oh, showed me yes. into their lives after our encounter where I'd caused you know, downstream damage. And I wasn't embarrassed. I wasn't frightened. I would uh, nod my head as I was flying out there. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, that's correct. That, that's a fair assumption. That's what I did. And uh, I see how it, how it caused trouble. And uh, during all this, there would be the occasional uh, odd sensation in my body uh, as though – Something like a dirt clot had been washed out of the body and I would look down to my right back, back down toward the, where my body was. Uh, and it was so far down I could hardly see it, just the, the rope that connected uh, my, my spiritual body down to my real body. And I would see a puff of like dirt fly off uh, out of my body as I was moving out toward that light. And, uh, I realized that when that puff of, uh, of dirt or whatever out of my, my body left, that I lost an emotion that was negative like greed or, you know, hate or, Envy, that kind of stuff. I, I would, I would be aware of that leaving me gone. And after that was through and after all these little vignettes out there started to gradually close down by one by one, I knew, uh, I, you know, I was a judge. I had seen what my life had been at that point and okay, understood it. And I curled up kind of in the fetal position to relax, feeling very clean and very peaceful, heading toward that light. And something snagged my body on the right side like a rope and it was the rope connected to my body and spun me around and started to pull me back into my body. Well, I tried, I put out my hands and arms and legs to stop because where I was was so much more peaceful. I didn't want to go back, but I did. I couldn't do anything else but turn sideways and try to fall into the body so that half of me was in the physical body. And the other half was out in that spirit world so that I could find what was grabbed me on the right side of my head and cut it and then get back out there. And I, became aware of, of my body, half of it anyway. My eyes were dried open. My jaw was open and stiff. And, um, you know, I, I could I could move my right arm. It, it was like moving a, a leg of ham from the small end and trying to turn off the lights, which is really difficult to move the arm. And what was... What was causing me to fall back in the body was the telephone by the bed was ringing. So it took me a couple of tries to knock it off with this arm. It was like dead meat and the phone receiver fell down close to my face.
0: Oh, and, I see.
2: And I, and I hear my, my mother's voice on the other end. She calls my name. She says, Stan, are you okay? I says, <clears throat> Clear my throat and get the vocal course to work. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, uh, fine mom. Uh, why? She says, well, look, you, you, you're, you just passed before me in a spirit form like your grandfather did the, The day he died and I was kind of taken aback by that and I said, well, no, mom, I'm fine. You know, I was trying to get her off the phone and get back out there uh, selfishly, I guess. But anyway, that's the way I looked at it. Like a
0: past life regression,
2: I guess. But anyway, I Mm -hmm. I, uh, told her, you know, I'm fine. And uh, then I turned to try to go back out, you know, and I realized when she talked to me like that, my left arm and my left leg had slid off of the ledge. I could actually feel the ledge out there in the other world. And it was slippery, and they'd fallen back into the body, and I couldn't get back out. Now it was several years after that before well, let's see in the 69 it would have been about um oh five years or so after that I found myself in Australia, you know uh, with the family and uh, my family and um, the um, in the teller program and had left it and I was in the desert uh, being pursued by several intelligence agencies who wanted my skin. Because I was, you know, at that time, Adam Teller's organization was going to carry the secret where I could uh, share it. Anyway, I was out in the middle of the desert, and that's uh, one night uh, where I was looking at a Bible that had been given to me by the little lady in the last town we went through. And uh, I made my commitment to the Lord because I realized that I could no longer control my fate and that I would probably be standing before him pretty soon. And remembering my childhood training in the home, uh, I Made that commitment, and from that moment forward, you know, miracles started happening. But anyway, I did come back to my body, and uh, it is—we do live outside the body. Yes, That's a wonderful thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. It sounds like that—that that experience really changed a lot for you. Oh, it did. Uh, I changed did, your perspective, changed. rather.
2: Before that time, I was going to be one of those super clever, you know, guys that was going to make millions of dollars by the time he was thirty. When I came back, that didn't matter anymore. I wasn't interested in making money.
0: The ego was eliminated.
2: Well. I don't know whether it was eliminated, but certainly the desire to, I guess that's, it was subdued, let's say. Yes,
0: uh, it I was suppressed be, a bit there.
2: Oh, a bunch, yeah. You still got to have a bit of ego to do stuff and have confidence to speak for people. And uh, certainly from that time forward, my life was uh, on a course that I never would have imagined.
0: Got to have a little bit of charisma, which you do have, Stan.
2: Well, that's the good Lord speaking through me. I'm I'm sure of that. Um I have felt his presence uh, like a warm glow in my body as part of the spirit when most needed. And when things seemed like they were going to be the most challenging, uh, they all worked out. So it's not me. I'm just letting the Lord uh, do the bit that he does.
0: Very nice. Now, on my last program I I did, I I talked a little bit about biblical relics, holy biblical relics, of course. And I've been curious what your take is on, on some of these things like the Holy Grail. Um, does anyone really have possession of it
2: today well i don't even know if there is such a thing in existence anymore but um you know uh, i think that the Vatican has put more emphasis on those kind of relics than should be put um they are remnants and there's nothing i see in the scriptures it says if you have these you know magic you can defeat your enemies and uh, you know the sphere of uh, Longinus and uh, the, the Holy Grail that you can drink water from it and have you mm-hmm. know complete healing or long life or whatever. I like, to me that's that's uh, voodoo really. Uh, I just don't put much faith in it.
0: Yeah, you don't take it for what it is really as it describes. You take it more as an allegory, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I would have to imagine so. It, it is definitely interesting, however, just reading up on some of these things. It's um. Just fascinating, really.
2: Well, are we, you know, chasing the, the, the cup, the holy grail? Really, it's an allegory that was put forward. You chase the messiah. He is the container of the blood. He is the holy grail and it's not chasing him in a physical sense. It's in, a, cause he's in a parallel universe. Right. He's Ascended and gone. That's your connection. And it's not, you know, a wooden or a brass or a gold, you know, vial somewhere, a grail, the body. Uh, you know, is uh, Jesus his body? That contains the holy blood.
0: Yes. And Stan, I know we don't have too much time here on the program with you, but I always ask the guest at the end of the show if they are into movies or television. Um, are you into any of those things?
2: What do you mean into? Do I watch any?
0: Shows yeah. Do you watch any shows in particularly? Yeah. Yeah. A Couple TV shows you like?
2: Well, I, I'm an old timer. I like to. Uh, Star Trek, Star Wars, Star Trek Voyager, those kind of things. Um,
0: And you watched that today?
2: Actually, I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, part of the Star Wars, the uh, Return of the Sith, I think, the Sith Lords.
0: Did you see the new Star Wars film?
2: No, I haven't yet. I haven't heard good reports about it, so I haven't bothered.
0: I'm not sure if I want to watch any more, to be honest with you.
2: Understood. I'm kind
0: of tired of Hollywood, and I talk about this all the time. I'm, I'm just tired of the old Hollywood format, that formula.
2: There are a lot of shows like, like series and stuff that uh, Holly and I will watch after lunch. But, um, you know, uh, like Madam Secretary has really, really got up our nose a bit. I wouldn't watch that. And, uh, uh I saw enough of the episodes to realize what they were doing with the, the plot line and it's all part of conditioning and stuff to take people away from the truth. And I, I just,
0: it's, it's all part of it. It's all part of the pre-programming. That's what I like to say.
2: Yeah. Scandal. I mean, there are a couple of them right now. There's another one. Designated survivor, I think. Uh, uh, these kind of things are coming very close to what may be happening here, You know, a revolution in our country. And it worries me that they're putting it into a TV series and giving the people that might be of that mind ideas on what they need to do. They don't need any help. Hmm,
0: so I take it you don't like um, Snowden then?
2: Uh, you mean as far as a uh, information release or what? Yes. Yeah,
0: so w- what's your take on him now that I mentioned him here? Good or I bad?
2: Don't know. I, I don't. Know. Gray area. Yeah, um, it's amazing this stayed alive this long.
0: No kidding, right? No kidding. Jesus,
2: we we could have taken him out. I mean, if if it was a priority and nobody would ever know the difference. But um, is is he being used as an instrument of controlling the way uh, elections and governments go in this very critical time? I don't know. Does he know? I mean, is he just being used as a patsy? So when you say that, you know, I don't know the man and I can only go on what's in the press, which you can't trust.
0: Yeah. yes. We really don't know. And I think someone's calling in right now. Would you mind answering a question or two?
2: No, that's fine.
0: Okay. Let's see what's going on here. Um, star, are you around? Yes, I am. Yes. Did you have a, did you have a question for Mr. Stan Dale? And I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for asking. Yes,
1: I did. It's just one short question. Hello, Stan. Hello, star. Um, have you seen the uh <clears throat> Netflix series House of Cards and how do you would you equate that to what's been going on in the White House and all oh, the last eight years?
2: Um, House of Cards, I <laughs> I remember the title. Uh, can you tell me a bit about what the, the plot was? I, I might remember oh, it that
1: way. It's uh stars Kevin Spacey and Robin Wright. And it's oh golly, it's been going on for five seasons now. But the way yes. he worked his way up to the president—yes, oh, yes, yes,
2: yes, yes—I yes. did see that. Yes. What do I think about that? Uh, it's an how incredible- does
1: it how does it relate, or how does it measure or compare to what's really going on in there? I I felt it was. Of getting really close, but. Oh,
2: I do too. And, and one of the things that the, the people that wrote the Protocols of, uh, of Zion, one of the things they wanted to do was to get the people of various countries, including the United States, to lose faith in their governments, to see them exposed for the crooks that they are. And that would open the doorway for a global uh, government to be offered to the people of Earth. So for them to announce this kind of stuff and for it to be close to the mark, I think it is close to the mark, the House of Cards. I There are a number of times in the episodes that we did see that I just raised my eyebrows and shook my head. As, I can't believe they're putting that on the screen, but that's what they're doing. They're conditioning us to hate our government, uh, and not without due cause, but it's driving us into the gate to the world government
1: without us knowing it. Well, I can – yeah, I can I can feel that emotion, that grrrr and the way I feel about Obama's girl and I think, yeah, I'm playing right I recognize that I'm playing right into it. So I I really have to kinda of keep a handle on myself. And I just I do a little meditation and stuff like that from time to time. But just it's coming so full on now. Uh from my point of view <clears throat> and it's pretty much in line with what a lot of people are saying, Trump not being a politician he wasn't supposed to even been in the game. He was a big surprise to everybody. He, he was the uh oh oh there's a term but anyway, he wasn't supposed to even run when and of course you saw how events unfolded. He'd been has been fighting tooth and nail and I figure the harder your enemy fights you the bigger the the, the losses or the prizes or whatever. So it's just the I think it's because he has a really, really, really big evil force fighting him on all sides and then some. And he's not backing down. Thank goodness. Anyway, that's just my perspective. Well,
2: Star, I agree. And, you know, he's he's taken on a task that no single human being could really solve completely. He's taken on the impossible task. And uh, as you say, he's being hit on every front by those who would bring him down and... uh, You know, turn us back over to the socialist nightmare that was the last eight years. However, uh, George Soros threw a lot of money around in this election, which allegedly went all to the Democrats, but new information servicing that he also gave a quarter of a million dollar credit line, sorry, 250 million dollar credit line to uh, Trump's uh, son-in-law. Um, whether that's true or not, I'm still investigating it, but he would.
1: I haven't heard that yet, but I'm sure it'll pop up uh, on YouTube.
2: Yeah, but the point is that Soros, historically in Europe and other places where he's caused revolutions, has been on both sides of the revolution. So that no matter which side won, he was in charge.
1: Yes. And he, there was a, a YouTube where when he was a very, very young boy, he was taken to one of the uh, Jewish prison camps, and he worked for the Nazis. He, yes. He turned against his own people. Yes. And also, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, he is now wanted by the Russians for, I forgot what it was, but he, he goes to Russia, he's found, he gets arrested.
2: I and, i hadn't heard that, I didn't know that.
1: Okay, I don't remember all the details, I mean, so much is going on, I'm an old fart, my ram is full, so <laughs> I'm trying to remember all this stuff. Hey, uh-
0: Really I'm there with job. you. It's I'm really good. hard to remember all of these things going on. The world yeah. seems like it's a mess right now, but not yes. to worry. Things will get better eventually.
1: Coming so fast and fierce. Okay, I said I was just going to be gone for a second, but I'm I'm going to jump off and listen to the rest of thank in you, the Star. chat room. <laughs>
0: yeah, thank you, thank you, Star.
1: Thank you. Bye bye. Bye
0: bye. And that was Star.
2: And you know, she mentioned a point which mm-hmm. I I've, I've felt uh, Holly and I both have. You know, for years. We can be talking about, um, you know, like I have the cause of conspiracy about what's coming, what the plan was, how it's going to be a deception, mm-hmm. and the uh, world would be driven into world government. Well, that was what um, 22, 32, 38 years ago, or more, 30, almost 40 years ago. And now, in this year, this 2017, I have seen things move toward fulfilling what I've been warning about so rapidly that even I am astonished at the speed with which it's happening.
0: It's starting to fulfill the prophecy, right?
2: Oh, yeah. It's just like a roller coaster going downhill.
0: It's it's really something else. I I can't believe it. And time is moving forward so fast, so rapidly.
2: Yeah, and the older you get, the faster time travels for you.
0: (laughs) It really does seem that way, yes. Oh,
2: it does. It does. I understand why. But uh, anyway, it's it's interesting.
0: It really is. So, Stan, I want to thank you once again for being a guest here on End of Days. And what a better place to have you on.
2: Well, I appreciate the invite and uh, I thank your listeners uh, for putting up with me, but uh, Oh, by the
0: yeah. by the way Stan, before I let you go, I've always been curious, how did you meet Holly?
2: Well, actually she was listening to a radio program called Coast to Coast AM.
0: Ah, I see.
2: And um it was one of the first ones I did with Art Bell and I was using my earthquake prediction technique and sharing right. it with Art and his listeners. I remember. And she, she listened to it one night. She listens to radio at night in a little earphone while she sleeps. I, I don't know how she does it, but anyway. And uh, she was listening that night and wrote me an email like several hundred other people did about, you know, their state, their country, earthquakes, and how they could have predicted And so I answered hers, and she wanted to know where she could get maps of Colorado, and she lived here up in uh, Loveland. Anyway, that's that was the start of... Uh, a long email, you know, get to know you. And as we exchanged more emails, it became a little more personal. And uh, we saw that we shared a lot of the same uh, ideals. And uh, eventually she wanted to uh, uh, come down to Australia and, uh, you know, be a partner in my book business and whatever and help me distribute the books. So one thing led to another, and she was down in Australia for a few years. um, Let's see, 96, for about five years, almost five years and uh we had a, a farm together down there and we did her book uh dare to prepare and uh, uh you know uh, more editions of the cause of conspiracy from that point there and set up websites and we became a team
0: and yeah. here we are today
2: that's it that's it
0: i'm a hopeless romantic so i had to ask
2: <laughs> you know we got married in a castle down there in victoria uh, oh really yeah yeah what was it called? Cryle Castle. It's twenty acres under on the roof.
0: Oh, and, uh, okay.
2: A friend of mine had built it, and uh, so we uh, got married in medieval costume. Uh, oh, that's
0: cool. I <laughs> love that.
2: Oh, it was, it was uh, every every year around January was the nineteenth, the wedding anniversary. I put up uh, links to our uh, little story that both of us told about the wedding and photos of the event and you know how we pretended to be Sir Lancelot and Lady Guinevere for the the, uh, castle wedding and they made it legal with a little document. So it was, it was really quite, quite fun. So we share that every year.
0: Yeah. That, that's great. By the way, that you have that deep rooted relationship with, with your wife and you two support each other.
2: We do. We do. That's a it's very not rare. To say that we don't argue about who gets well, the first cup of this or that.
0: Of course. Right? Of course. But it's a very <laughs> rare thing nowadays to have two people in love.
2: I know. We, we, uh, are we that rare way. Thing. And we work every day, seven days a week or. Six days a week, anyway, and spend the rest doing fun stuff. But, yeah, we people don't understand how we can sit here in the office, you know, uh, spend as many hours uh, with each other as we can without fighting or something. But right. That's just not in our, our cards, you know.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, that's a good thing. That's very positive, Stan. Go ahead and plug your website or any upcoming events, maybe any lectures or any show appearances that you might be doing. Go ahead and plug that now, Stan.
2: Uh, well, no shows or appearances. Uh, the, any of the radio interviews or stuff are posted on the website at standeo.com, S-T-A-N-D-E-Y-O.com. And, um, you know, um, if you, uh, go there, all of our current news, Holly uh, posts it there so that, um, you know, people, uh, can be brought up to date, people like us, you know, what they need to see in the news. And it's, um, you know, our books and interviews and stuff are there. That's basically it all happens, I'm still working on the book on Atlantis and Eden and uh, the flood and all that stuff. It's turning out to be a, a bigger work than I thought it would be. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, again, the updates to that will be uh, on the, the website. People will know then. Uh, okay.
0: One more Just, final word, Stan. Right. Go ahead.
2: One final word. Um, look up. You know, uh, you're not alone. The good Lord is coming. The Messiah is coming back. And uh, don't be fooled by the deception if you somehow or another are still here when that happens. But keep your antenna out for this year. I think we're going to see some extraordinary things occur.
0: Very nice. Once again, thank you very much for being on the program. End of Days, the Michael Deacon program. It's been an honor and a true privilege to speak to you again, Stan.
2: Thank you very much, Michael. Appreciate being here.
0: We'll touch base again in the near future, sir.
2: Alrighty. right. Bye-bye now.
0: Bye-bye. And that was Stan Dale. Amazing, right? What a fantastic guest. We learned so much here on this program and on this episode here just now. My God, what a fun time. Looking at the clock here, let's take a little break. Oh, yes, those fantastic little breaks that we all love so much. I'm going to play a few little tunes here, and when I return, I might trigger you. We'll see. Stay tuned.
3: Yeah. And that was a sad thing. And I mean, they had some sensational stuff, they had some other stuff they just made up and they left out the really, um, valuable stuff that was done. In fact, I got in a, in a big email argument with with John Ronson. It was really by the book editor of the, uh, the newspaper in Austin, Texas, where I lived at the time. He, both of our books came out my first book and Ronson's book came out roughly around the same time. And, uh, and the poor book editor thought, oh, this is a good opportunity to have them discuss the their two books and the remote viewing program and all that stuff. And and he ended up being um essentially had a ringside seat for a dog fight <laughs> is what it boiled down to. Because, you know, I, I challenged Ronson on some of his alleged facts, and he came back and he tried to support them. But he, he was not able to do that because they were not supportable. They
0: weren't facts. Interesting.
3: Yeah, and uh, and that, that was a, an interesting and ugly exchange. <laughs> oh <laughs> so my. No, no names were called, but we certainly didn't see eye to eye on it.
0: And welcome back to the program. Back again for another dose of the Michael Deacon program, I see. Hello to you out there. Hello once again. You found me. It's March 4th, 2017. This is episode 23, if I recall is that right is this episode 23 i'm not even sure thank you all again for being here live with me i am michael i am a mere figment of your imagination don't forget this is a live show don't be shy take a seat get comfortable as we take another journey deep down the psyche the element of surprise and paranoia and a bit of anxiety can never be higher folks however under these circumstances I find it rather suiting as I sit here behind this shiny microphone. Thank you all that listen live. My respect to you. I know you're out there somewhere. Thank you to those outside of this country here. Appreciate that. I really do. One thing I like to talk about here on the program during the second half, I like to bring up the top 10 countries by listener minutes who... Dedicate their time to the 24-7 Network here. I'm always astonished by these stats Truly, I really am. I'm taken back all the time. Of course number one is the United States that never fails to happen Always number one number two is always the UK well no, I shouldn't say always but the UK is always battling back and forth between Canada and Australia and that's number three and number four there Canada number three, fourth is Australia, and of course, this is where things get a little weird. Fifth is Germany. don't ask i don't I don't know, and followed by Singapore, that's a little unusual, and then we got Ireland. who is out there i I have no idea, and then of course number eight, Afghanistan. I think we know who's out there listening and nine Switzerland. That's one we don't really see too often. And of course, number 10, Pakistan. My goodness. Another far, far away place. Too far away, I would have to say. But we know exactly who those people are out there listening. I see you at times. I know the IP address. I'll stop talking now before I get into any more trouble. But again, I do thank you all for being here. And I must remind all of you out there right now, If you haven't listened to the last show, I recommend you do. Totally. I interviewed Brian Kennard. We got into plenty of great topics and discussion here. What a great guest he was. And of course, you can find that episode at michaeldeacon.com. Links to the SoundCloud and YouTube are there. And if you search EOD Michael on YouTube, you'll find... All those videos along with some sort of military-related videos thrown in the mix, I'm not certain why. And of course, I've been told there has been trouble in regards to the 24-7 network on the TuneIn radio app. There's a little bit of trouble there, but don't don't worry. Keep in mind, the browser Safari does not play nice with the TuneIn website. I advise all of you out there to use um, Chrome or Firefox. That seems to work best. So Chrome and Firefox folks, I strong strongly urge all of you out there to get that. Now, I have a few things to say here. And I know some people are gonna get a little bit um triggered, perhaps. It's not the most favorable perspective to have. However, I'm at the point of no return now. I'll just say this. I don't like most kids. Have I grown that cynical? I'm not sure. I don't dislike all kids now, don't get me wrong, people. That's not true, I like my uncle's kids, my cousin's kids. I like those kids, sure, they're fine. I'm talking about other people's children, my goodness. I don't know if you're like me, but it's become kind of an issue for me now. I can't be around crying children. I can't do it anymore, it drives me nuts. It really does. I know there's lots of parents out there listening that don't share this perspective with me. And I know lots of parents out there, friends of mine, lots of friends I have who are parents. Lots of these people aren't exactly that happy. There's a few exceptions, I know. Not everyone's totally unhappy. Perhaps it's with the location I'm in. I'm not sure. A little strange little fact, though, I have for you folks. I live out here in El Centro, and I'm not an advocate of anyone getting involved with Single women with children. I've always been strict about that sort of thing. I don't recommend any guys to get involved with any women who have kids. It's not a a good thing, folks. I'm sorry. I know that must drive some of you crazy out there that I'm saying these sort of things right here live on the air. But I can't lie, folks. Maybe one day I'll want a kid. Maybe. Just kidding. (laughs) It's not going to happen. I really don't want a kid. I really don't. I really don't, folks. Now, my parents, they've never really been on me about that sort of thing, so I'm thankful for that. I've never had my parents try to push me to have children. Thank God. Oh, no. However, just seeing the way everything's going around the world now, I don't think this is a good time to be having children. And personally, I don't think I should be having a child. I really don't. Plus, you really don't know what kind of kid you're going to have, to be honest with you. Life is like a box of chocolates. As silly as that sounds, you really don't know if you're going to get the next Dylan Roof or Adam Lanza, my God. Maybe I'm just cynical, I don't know. But I've got plenty of friends with kids, and I'm thankful I don't have any, and I'm pretty sure I wouldn't want any in the near future or any time. To be honest with you, not my thing. I probably pissed off lots of people out there, but I'm sorry, I just can't do it. How many times in line are you there and there's kids running around everywhere crying and coughing and perhaps running into you. I wasn't allowed to act that way myself when I was a child. My parents usually, or my mom rather, and grandmother I must say, if I ever acted out that way I would get slapped around. Seriously, <laughs> I'd get slapped around. I recall one time crying at a J.C. JCPenney's, I, I think it it's called jc penny and um, i recall crying and throwing a fit on the ground and my mom would pull my hair (laughs) she'd pull my hair and then comb my hair back into place that was hilarious and of course later on in life she would bring it up and (laughs) just laugh and joke about it she would say i'd pull your hair and then comb it again and that's laugh and say thanks mom (laughs) yes i i i have to say Love both of my parents. I just don't want any, any children and I'm thankful that I have never been pushed that way, which is kind of unusual. I am of mixed race. If you don't know, I'm a mutt. I'm sure many of you are out there too. Eventually we're all going to be of a mixed race eventually, or at least I believe so. Now going back to what we were talking about here earlier on the program, we were talking about Donald Trump. And it's been a pretty wild week for him. He made some sort of stunning claim just recently, alleging, without offering any evidence, of course, that Barack Obama wiretapped the Trump Tower ahead of the 2016 election. And he started talking about that on Twitter. You can go check that out yourself. And sometimes I wonder, who can we really trust? I don't really have a dog in the fight, as I always say, and I don't trust any politician. I really don't. I just... Just don't, folks. Also, another thing, do you ever get notifications on your cell phone in regards to the news? That you out there? I know I do. I noticed, however, I got some notification about the Oscars and how they were going to implement changes and blah, blah, blah. I just couldn't care any less. So as you know, I'm pretty cynical. So I deleted that app right away. I just don't care to know what's going on with any of that. I love film, don't get me wrong, but I just don't care about award ceremonies that cater to these emperors on parade, these very self-important moronic hypocrites. Don't worry, I'm not going to go any further into that noise. I'd rather not talk about that. Now, we haven't really had much of a chance to talk to each other here, or at least I haven't had a chance to talk to you out there on a very personal level. But that's what we're doing here tonight. But once again, I do want to remind all of you to go back to michaeldeacon.com to check out any previous show that you might have missed. I have to put emphasis on that. got to remind all of you. So I'm sorry I have to bring that up every now and then. But please go back to endofdaysradio.org or michaeldeacon.com to check out any show you might have missed. Strongly urge all of you out there to go and check that out. Now, going back to personal talk here with all of you, I wanted to share just a quick story here about the inception of all of this that you're listening to. Way back in 2006, I believe it was, I went down to my local radio station, walked in there like I owned the place, to be honest with you. Perhaps my attitude wasn't the best, but I went in there thinking that, oh, I'd get the job just just uh easy there, no problem. However, it didn't turn out that way. Oh no, <laughs> not at all. People were very rude to me, actually. It was kind of sad, and it made me not ever, ever want to go back and try my hand in radio. I was kind of disgusted with the way I was treated. And of course, later on, let me just fast forward this story. Later on, many, many moons later on here in this story, present time, I go back and try my hand once again. Same thing. Same thing. Felt horrible just being in there. So, to be honest with you, I don't think I want to go back into any sort of local station down here. I feel like I'd be wasting my time. As sad as that is. Would have been a pretty fun little gig. But always got to look forward, folks. So, going back now to 2006. Being in that radio station... Being treated that way. My God, what what was going on there? I don't know. I honestly thought they'd be much nicer. However, they were jerks. Seriously. I'm not sure if it's like that everywhere, but I didn't have a good experience. So I was soured by all of that. Didn't know where to go after that. Luckily, the rise and popularity of these shows on the internet kind of took off, I noticed. And I always wanted to do a show. Sure enough, I got the chance to, and things were fine and dandy for a while. But of course, as you know, things must evolve, or or else they'll stay uh, stagnant. Got to move forward and evolve all the time. So that's what I did. And now you're listening to the program here, and that's that's how that's kind of how these things happened. And of course, I'm thankful for everyone who's helped me, who's helped me along the way. It's been it's been pretty. It's been pretty damn incredible to tell you the truth i've I've had a great time doing this. I always have a great time sitting here and talking to all of you out there. It's an honor to be to be perfectly honest with you folks. I thank all of you very much for being here. Of course, I thank all of those who listen to the podcast version of this program too. You guys are fantastic for sure. I was going to talk a little bit about Bill O'Reilly. I had a few words to say about him, but I'm deciding not to. I'm looking at the clock here, and I did have to go do a few things. I have to go eat with my family. I promised I'd wrap things up and go out and eat something with them. I'll probably eat dinner at at my parents' house. We'll see. We'll definitely see what happens. And I, I want to apologize right now. I'm sorry I'm not putting on a very lengthy show here, but... I promised my folks. So once again, I do thank all of you out there for listening to this a very short edition of the program. But I will return soon with Peter Robbins, don't worry, and Tom Schroeder. All these shows coming at you very, very soon. Don't be scared, I'll be back. The hell was that? Sorry about that, folks. I heard a weird noise outside my window. Jesus. Once again, thank you guys very much for being here. But... I do have to wrap things up here, and I apologize. I'm so sad. So sad. But it's been a fun, great little evening here, this mini edition of the program. I want to thank Stan Dale for being a guest here, and thank all of you out there for surviving another week. Pat yourselves on the back. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody.
1: In the now. I'm not that way, I'm a Christian. Ah! Oh, my. Damn. My
0: Drop out of red, you too. Drop out of red. This <laughs> <laughs> the Illuminati, and we won't go into yeah. behind that, but the Illuminati certainly
3: yeah. is part of the whole I plan. To but the top members of the Illuminati are over-pushers. Mm-hmm. I could tell that all the mainstream media
0: outlets were giving me, like, all the fairies. I'm I just see it. it's clear <laughs> How appropriate. I wish I could be in that ring with Holden right now. It's crazy. I had no idea this should existed before as Oh, granny. I like granny. I'm a granny. I'm a Gigi's real. A
2: lot of good content. A lot of, a lot of cool topic. You know, I, yeah, I feel, you know, fortunate to have an opportunity to speak to you guys tonight. You guys are, you
0: guys are really good. Yeah, Mr. Ruth, then. that son of a bitch. I do not
2: like that, man. It's the simplest shit. You go in there, you see the flesh, and there you say What about the bring You know, you know, you know, that's what I want.
0: Just for what it's worth, I want to put in my defense and tell you both that you have one of the most incredibly well-rounded shows.
3: I I'm going to introduce. Well. The greatest tag team on the radio. Guess what, (laughs)
0: Successfully erased flawless victory.